of special things going on today. We've had a lot of good, precious moments that some of us are going to remember for the rest of our lives. Sister Cheyenne and little Rosalind back there. Thank God for them too, for the destiny that they have in the church. But if I could, uh, I, I let's just go ahead and let's open up our Bibles. Let's get into this word today. I believe God wants to do something in this place, and I'm not going to take up your time, and I believe God wants to get to this. He wants to speak to someone. So why don't you go ahead and stand and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and I'll read down to verse 12 just so you know what to expect. But while you're turning there, uh, I am thankful uh, for a pastor who loves me and uh, who allows me to preach and fulfill what I feel like the call of God is in my life. And I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. And how many loves Lil Corbin? Amen. I, I, love, I love my son. Uh, once you get there, give me an amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and start reading in Genesis chapter 8. It says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. The waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven. Somebody say a raven. raven. Which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove. Somebody say a dove. From him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in, un in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. In verse 12 it says, And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. Now, if it feels like I may have read that scripture before, for the beginning of a message, I have. And this title I'm going to introduce, if it sounds like a title I've preached before, I have. But today we're going to visit it again. And the title of this message, before we pray, is The Hope of a Dove. Somebody say, The Hope of a Dove. So why don't you just, while you're standing, just lift your hands unto the Lord and let's ask the Lord to speak to us in this place. Lord, we're thankful for you. God, we love you. Lord, we know you have beautifully ordained every person who is in this place today to be here on this day. God, we are thankful, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace. We're thankful, God, that you can speak to us, Lord. We ask, Lord, today you would open our ears and our mouths. You would open our eyes to see, God, Lord, everything and hear everything that you would have to speak to us. We invite you in this place. 
We invite you to continue to do the work that you want to do in this house in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you have it there on the screen, the hope of a dove. Adam and Eve walked in a perfect garden. At hand, they had all that they needed. They had companionship. They had the ability to walk with God, to talk with God, to commune with the Almighty. The garden was a spectacle of perfection. And I'll tell you that it was beyond the ability of any green thumb that you and I could have today. In the garden was everything that they could ever want. It was a perfect beginning, a perfect life set in motion for all humanity. This was the beginning of creation. This was the beginning of time. This was the beginning of an eternal companionship started in the Garden of Eden between God and man. Until sin raised its serpent head into the scene. As the snake many have envisioned curled around that branch of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the snake hanging and speaking in its seducing tongue as humanity's fate also seemingly hung on the teetering edge of destruction. The serpent, Satan, Satan, pulling on the fleshy parts of humanity, pulling humanity to sin, punishing man, punishing woman, and bruising the heel of humanity. Slithering his way into the earliest record of humanity's fall towards sin. This marking the beginning of a war to last longer than the war on terror. This marking the beginning of a war more brutal than any past world war. Past world war. It marks the beginning of a war against an enemy more evil than the Nazi regime. Where not just physical life is waged for, but also eternal life. A war with an allied power that has all the power in the universe. A leader with a 66 book long strategy plan ending with the intimate defeat of an enemy. A champion taller, leaner, and more fierce than Goliath. A general undefeated and in whom impossibility is not found. A God who cannot be destroyed and cannot lose. And today, when we are on His side, we cannot lose. His power can be your power. Humanity will fall, but the divinity is destined for victory. And with the Holy Ghost, God on the inside, that same victory is ours today. Genesis chapter 3 verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We are the generation of the bruised heel. We are the church that will crush, that will bruise the head of the enemy. If you didn't already know today, from the womb of Eve came Seth, 
This beginning the genealogy of Jesus Christ, whose spirit dwells and can dwell inside of you today. We are the generation that while we will have our heels bruised, yes, we will combat depression. Yes, we will battle darkness face to face. Yes, we will battle perversion. Yes, you will have loss. Yes, you will experience loneliness. But after all, we will bruise the head of the enemy. That means when we shout, we are crushing the head of the serpent. That means when we dance, we are bashing the skull of the enemy who desires our destruction. In the end, when we step on the streets of gold, when we reach the other side on that sun glad morning, when we step off that gospel ship, when we find what we've been homesick for, and when we see our Father standing at the door, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth staying holy. It's going to be worth staying filled and prayed up. It's going to be worth the sacrifice. Yeah. We are the generation of the bruised heel. We are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We are heirs of God. We are His sons. And we are His daughters. We are filled with His Spirit. Just like as He walked way back when, before He went to Calvary, when He walked in the flesh, we are just as He was. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet sin destroys good intentions. Sin stained red the masterpiece. That was Eden. Sin. It destroys all hope and destiny. But God restores and renews. He's the God of second chances. Yes, He is. How many are thankful He's not just the God of one shot? His mercy isn't everybody gets one and don't waste it. Mercy isn't your typical children's chore allowance. You cannot earn mercy. Grace is not the freebie and a buy one, get one scenario. I'll tell you what, sorry, but you can't get a dollar general coupon for mercy. There's no rebate on Ibotta for mercy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask my wife. I know she's back there in the office, but I'm sorry. There's no dollar general coupon for what Jesus did on Calvary. Back in Jesus' day, when they only had just a few dollar generals, and none of them were conveniently placed five minutes away from Calvary. Come on. They actually, there was no Dollar Generals, believe it or not. All right? As many as there is, it started here, and they're just growing, okay? There was no Dollar General placed conveniently close to Calvary where Jesus could go and get convenience. No, Jesus went and he lived this life that he lived, and he got Calvary. There was no coupon for Calvary. Just simply because he's God, he could have at any moment revealed who he was. And surely the onslaught that was to happen would have passed. But Isaiah said, as a sheep led to slaughter. God had to become flesh to destroy the flesh. He became sin who knew no sin. You know why he became flesh today? So he could supply us with just more than one chance. So he could be the God of second chances. But not just to stop at the second chance. But to move on to a third chance. And a fourth chance. And a fifth chance. I don't care if you feel like you're on your 20th chance in this place today. Your sin does not limit God's mercy. Your sin does not limit God's grace. He gave us another shot. He put you in this church today. So you could give this thing another go around. And get deeper than you've ever gone 
come before. He didn't get a coupon for the death he had on Calvary. He came and shed blood, priceless blood, a priceless life. He come down in the spirit and gave us Jesus Christ. He gave us the flesh. He gave us salvation. He didn't give it to somebody else to hand to us. It was direct exchange. It was divine exchange. We were supposed to die, but he gave us life. He gave us mercy. Yes, amen. Yes, it is. Say, he gave me another shot. Come on, I want everybody to say that today. I don't care if you're not paying attention. I don't care what you're doing. Somebody say, He gave me another shot. There's something about speaking that into your life. There's something about speaking mercy into a dead situation. You've been speaking depression for too long. You've been speaking illness for too long. You've been speaking sadness for too long. The Lord Jesus Christ is in this room today. And He died on Calvary. So we can have another shot. Hallelujah. There is a spirit here that is combating your depression. There is a spirit here that is combating those suicidal thoughts. Jesus is reaching for us. He didn't send another. He didn't wait for something to happen. He did it himself. He came for me and you, Sister Michelle. Sister Tara, he came for me and you. Sister Stephanie, he died for you. He died for us on Calvary. Not to waste this life, but so it can be redeemed by Jesus himself. He gave me another shot. Sin birthed in the garden, brought forth jealousy. Example A being Cain and Abel. Sin brought forth death. Abel was killed by Cain because of jealousy. And because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, humanity was now guilty. Now blood was spilled. Now lies creeped in the shadow. Now darkness swept the favored creation. And now men and women all needed a way of atonement for their sins. God, as humanity grew, was not happy with the decisions that they were making. Sin became like cancer cells released across the earth, spreading and consuming everything that was healthy until there was nothing healthy left. Until there was no more vigor left in humanity. Until they needed a complete restoration. But the treatment was going to cost them something way more than they could ever have imagined. Before you and I paid or will pay for anything, God paid for it all. Simplistically, it was like pulling up to a drive-thru window. And before you can exchange your money for the product you have just purchased, the cashier greets you with a smile and says, Hey, that car in front of you? It paid for your meal. It, it's paid for. Your bill's paid for. It don't matter if that bill was $40. It don't matter if that bill was $50. It don't matter if you splurged and got two large Oreo blizzards from Dairy Queen, which is like $20 nowadays. Your bill's paid for. It doesn't matter what you've done. Your bill is paid for. It's not too late. See, these people that were sinning in the days of Noah, 
And these people that were making these bad decisions, God was unhappy. And he said that, that I've got to do something. I have got to start all over once again. He said, I, I've got to get rid of what I have done. But God is not doing that in this place today. He is not looking at you and seeing a disappointment. He is not looking at you uh, and seeing something that makes him unhappy. He is looking at you and saying there is a miracle inside of your life. Uh, underneath that depression, uh, underneath that anxiety, underneath those financial problems, uh, there is greatness uh, in your life. Uh, and he sees it uh, above everything that we can see. Yeah. It is not too late for us. It is not too late for us. God went before us and He paid it all. He went before us and He paid the way for Harvest House in this city. He went before us and He paid the way for the drug addict. He went before us and He paid the way for the broken family. He went before us and He paid the way for those who feel inadequate. And I know that's nobody in this room today, right? No one in this room has ever felt inadequate. We've always felt good enough, right? You've always felt like you've prayed enough. You've always felt like you've been the parent you needed to be. You've always felt uh, like you were the spouse that you needed to be. You've always felt uh, like you gave God the time that He deserved. You have never felt inadequate. And that is absolutely wrong. We have all felt inadequate before. But now, with a clean bill... Our job is to pay it forward. Just as God's heart was grieved for his people in the days of Noah, our hearts should grieve for our family's salvation. It should grieve for our workplace. It should grieve for the souls in our neighborhood. God's heart was grieving at the sight of what his people were doing. He was ready to destroy all of humanity. But God had found a man who the Bible says was perfect in all his generations. Amen. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's heart was breaking, but Noah... God was ready to wipe us all out, but Noah found grace. Noah found mercy for humanity. Sin wants to consume us, but mercy says no. There's sin in your life that wants to put you in the ground today. There are some thoughts in your mind that want to put you in the ground today. But mercy says no. Mercy hung on the cross and said, Over my dead body, are they going out because of this? Other people, they may know and they have went out because of it. But I'm looking at chosen people. I'm looking at people that have fought some things I could never imagine. That have been in some dark places I could never fathom. But God is saying, I went there for you. That depression you're feeling. God is saying, I've been there. I've been in it. I've been in that place. Look at me in the garden. I said, God, let this cup pass. But it was nevertheless that cried out in his spirit, let your will be done. There is a nevertheless in someone's life today. You may be finding it, but there was a nevertheless on Calvary that stood for you in the name of Jesus. Noah was faithful in the presence of death and sin. He found the graceful side of God. There is, you may not believe it, there is a graceful side of God. 
this in, this world, this enemy may have blinded you to it, but God still is merciful. Yes, he is. You may be missing out on it, but there is still a graceful side to God. He has never changed, and He never will change. You may think He's moving away from you. You may think you're. You may think He's separating Himself from you, but He is not. He is not moving from us. He is still calling. The Spirit itself is still calling out, matching with our spirit, crying, Abba, Father, Father. For it says we have not received again the spirit of bondage, but we have the spirit of adoption. You know why Jesus Christ, we know why God came down in the flesh. You know why he wrapped himself in this dirty, nasty stuff that we wear. He did it so he could be like you and me. So there could be a spirit to make intercession. So there could be a spirit to cry, Father, Father. So when you get in a bind, when you get in a bad place, when your mind starts going crazy, there is already someone that is crying for you and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. When God looked at Noah, he said he is the one. Noah, he is the one. And when I say Noah today, Maybe someone is like, uh, yeah, uh, isn't he the boat dude? Like, like uh, groundhog wood or something like that? Gopher, okay? It's gopher. And it's an ark, all right? God called Noah to build an ark of safety for him, his sons, and their wives. And also for a pair of two clean animals to board and to live. The goal was for humanity to survive along with the other creation that God had made. The hardest part of this building process, though, I believe, had to be the aquarium. Because the fish were going to need a place to stay. When it started to rain, the whole world started to fill with water. But, you know, I imagine after many family trips to the aquarium, they'd probably be tired with it. Well, I, I'm actually just playing. If you didn't know, fish can breathe underwater. They were fine. They didn't need to get on the boat. Humanity would carry on through the family of Noah. Amen. Oh, yeah, because God's going to send rain on the earth. He's going to destroy everybody. If you didn't know, God's going to send rain on the earth. He's going to destroy everybody. The fish are fine. They don't need to get on the ark. They're good. They're good in the water. But we find that Noah followed his, followed his orders and did the Lord's work. And then the rain came. Destruction for sin, for repentance for humanity. After many days on the ark, rain 40 days and 40 nights, 150 days of resting on Mount Ararat, Noah sent out birds occasionally checking if the land has dried enough to step out and to once again build civilization. Noah and the last of humanity resting on a mountain, a boat once with purpose, now a tomb for yesterday's failures. And the hope of humanity resting on the wings of birds scouting the flooded earth. This is where we have the hope of a dove. It was the hope of a lone dove to find land, an aerial scout seeking more than just surviving. As I began to study, the choice of birds stuck out to me, the raven and the dove. Now I've preached this before, but seemingly opposite of nature. 
peaceful and timid as the dove. Intimately involved in their environments, meaning they just really get stuck in one environment. They really begin, it takes a while for them to start feeling comfortable because they're extremely timid. And then we have the other, the raven, who are carnivorous and dark and scavengers. If you allow me for a few moments, I'll talk about the raven today. The raven was sent out, but as we read, went to and fro until the waters receded. The raven was ready to leave the boat. He was ready to go, but didn't follow the right path to a new beginning. I, I wonder why the raven went to and fro. I, I wondered this, and you may have heard this and may remember this. And as gruesome as it sounds, ravens are scavengers. The flood that took the breath from every breathing, living thing not on the ark also served as a platter for floating meals for birds such as the raven. Yep. The bodies of men and animals from before the flood floated on top of the water. The raven, I believe, can be interpreted as a symbol of ties back to our own lives. Maybe you're living the life of a raven right now. It was John Maxwell who was quoted in saying, a person who forgets the ultimate will become slave to the immediate. If we are just scavengers of what this world has to offer, we will forget what God has to offer. Yeah. If we forget the exceedingly and the abundantly that is promised, if we forget the greater works, if we forget that the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, if we forget that there is an ultimate for every single one of us in this room, we become slaves to the right now, to the immediate. Yeah. If the immediate was all that there was for us, Acts would have stopped at chapter 2, verse 38. But it goes on to say, But this promise is unto you and unto your children yeah. and to those that are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. There's coming a generation after us. Come on, Hezekiah. Just because it's not in your immediate doesn't mean it's not going to sever your people from God. Just because your kids got problems now doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. Just because, uh, just because there's some mistakes that you have in your life right now doesn't mean that it's always going to be like that. Uh, just because your immediate uh, is screwed up doesn't mean your ultimate has to be like that. Uh, God, uh, he, he can help us uh, bury this gospel in our brains. Uh, he can help us drill this truth uh, into our lives uh, so there can be something to stand after that we are gone. God can call as many as He wants. He holds the stopwatch on revival. He holds the stopwatch on time. And when He is ready, one day He's going to hit stop. Yeah. And it's all going to be over. But until then, there is an immediate and there is an ultimate. Do not be like the raven, only seek, seeing and seeking what you desire, but look beyond unto what is to come. Yeah. We get wrapped up in sin until we have to pay a cost that we're not prepared to sacrifice. Sin is only for a season. This life is only for a season. We are but yet a vapor that is here and then gone the next. Our lives on the scale of time are seemingly nothing but a vapor. Nothing but a grain of sand. We need Jesus to help us see the ultimate. We need to stop spending time seeking and fulfilling our fleshly desires, but rather spend time seeking God's desires. Amen. I'll tell you, God didn't call you to be a scavenger. 
He fights for us. Uh, he, Jehovah, became salvation. Uh, not for us to scavenge off the, the dead and flesh parts of this world. Uh, but we so we could get it brand new and fresh from Him. He is our Savior. We don't have to feed on the world. God is enough for us. Uh, the raven seeks the immediate uh, and forgets the ultimate. Uh, becoming a slave. Uh, going to and fro. Uh, some, until something happens. Does, does that resonate with more than just me in this place today? Amen. Do you ever feel like you're just going to and fro? Yeah. Amen. Ever feel like you're just waking up? Come on. Doing Monday. Going yeah. to bed and doing Tuesday. All the way to the weekend and it's church. And then you've got to decide if you're going to go or not. Come on. It's going good. to and fro. Just living. Just that bird, you know what it was doing? It was doing what it's created to do. Is he feeding off the flesh. It's feeding off the dead. Because you don't have to feed off dead things. Amen. You don't have to. Let me tell you this. We, Mom, this, church, this church does not have to feed on the revivals of yesterday because Amen. God can give us something brand new. You do not have to feed on the, the feeling you got two weeks ago of the Holy Ghost. You can get something brand new today. You don't have to feed off the repentance you had three days ago. You can get fresh repentance uh, today because God, He's smarter than us. Uh, God knows more than us. Uh, he said they're not just going to get it right and go one time. Uh, they're going to need more than one chance. Uh, they're going to need more than two chances. Uh, they're going to need more than 20 chances. Uh, they are going to need something that can help them get out of this immediate mentality and go into an ultimate mentality. Come on. That's right. Amen. It's good. I'll tell you, if you want to change your world, you're going to find it in the Holy Ghost. Yes. If we want to see revival fit for the last days, yeah, we're going to need the Holy Ghost. If we want to see Harvest House's potential five years from now happen in this church this year, we're going to need to seek the Holy Ghost. Yes. We're going to need God to saturate us in and out. If you want to see your family saved now instead of five years from now, we've got to seek the Holy Ghost. If you want your depression broken today, you've got to seek the Holy Ghost. If you want miracles in your world today, we've got to seek the Holy Ghost. The answer is in Him. Now, to lighten things up a little bit, let's talk about the dove. Now, the dove was the opposite of the raven. Leading the boat thrice to seek a fresh start for all. The dove could have stayed in the boat where it has lived for many days. And now, as I spoke in earlier, has become accustomed to living in the tight quarters on the ark. This dove became comfortable living in the immediate. It was used to its environment because that's how they live. They analyze their environment until they're enough to be comfortable. And then that's where they want to stay. Living is survival. We're living on survival mode. Just enough to get by day after day. The dove leaving he left the same window that the raven was sent out of, only to find more. I like to think if you haven't caught on already, these birds as us, in our different just spots that we are in God, in this path, this journey that we are on. Ravens and doves, different stages of our walks with God. Some of us were feeding on the world, and others were seeking the land. But we are all called to go. 
Whether you believe it or not, today you are called to go. Whether you even believe God is real or not, you are called to go. Whether you even begin to put any kind of ounce of trust or faith in this thing that we do here at this church called Pentecost, you are called to go and you are called to receive it. Yeah. Ravens and doves, opposite types of birds, but both called to go. For straight is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to life. That verse goes something like, but broad is the path that leads to destruction. The few and the many, the dove and the raven. The slave and the freed man. The raven satisfied with picking over the flesh floating in the hope of the dove. Challenge but answered every call. Timid, but tries anyway. Uneasy, but assured. Not faultless, but faithful. The dove, a creature, the image of purity. The theophany at Jesus' baptism, a symbol of peace. I don't know where you are today, but we need our minds made up to be like this dove. And every time we are called upon, we answer and we go. Yeah. Even if you fail and return, we must go again. We'll never learn if we don't fail. The dove went out and saw nothing the first time but open skies and water. Maybe today the idea of going after God is scary because of the freedom that you might feel. Maybe you're not used to freedom like there is in the presence of God. Because you remember the safety of the boat that you've been living in. Maybe it's been so long you don't know what it feels like to be truly separate from anxiety. Truly separate from depression. Maybe that feeling scares you. Maybe since that abusive relationship you were in, you don't know how to feel free anymore. Maybe because of that abuse of sin in your life, you don't know how to feel freedom in the presence of God anymore. Maybe you're feeling a little bit of separation anxiety from the problems that you're trying to pass on from. So returning to the place you were called out of is the choice that we make. And I'm saying we because I've made that choice too many times. Come on. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Like as the dove would come back and go out a second time. And you bring back a branch. But you soon realize that that branch cannot survive in your preferred environment. But it thrived in the place that it came from. I believe God has a ministry. I believe He has a prayer life. I believe He has blessings and miracles for every person in this room. But I'll tell you, it cannot survive in the current environment that we are trying to let it live in. We have got to take that gift and put it somewhere where it can grow. We have got to take it and put it where we got it from and and let it grow to something that we need in this hour. We've got to take that gift and put it somewhere God can help it grow. A fig tree branch does not grow on the wood that is cut that Noah cut for that ark. With any hope for it to live, it must be placed somewhere. It can be planted. 
and tended to. It needed fresh ground. It needed broken soil. It needed fertilized soil. It needed some moments of crying on the altar. It needed some moments of saturation of the Holy Ghost. It needed some moments of breaking some some addictions and breaking some curses in your life. It needed some broken ground. Trees, if you did not know, do not grow in one day. I know I'm laying a lot of facts. We know that fish breathe underwater, alright? And now we know that trees don't grow in a day. We are learning something today in this place. God, the, those trees that the dove found, they were not just magically there. God planted those trees years before the dove would even need them. Yeah. God planted that tree. That that dove went and plucked that little fig leaf off that little branch, plucked it off, and God has done the same for us. He's planted promises and miracles in our path before we would ever need them. God is just calling us simply today to go again. There will be disappointments and there will be sorrow. But that's where we learn. It's in the challenge that we are changed. It's in the stretching that we grow. It's in the seeking that we will find. God put that peace in that situation before you ever needed it. And I'm telling somebody today, if you haven't found peace in that situation, it's there. You just kind of keep digging. The answer is found when we go again. Because God's got hope for 20 or 30 something little doves in this building today. God has got hope for some little doves that are going through something right now. You may have one day been the perfect image of purity and maybe this world has come and it's defiled you. But God has hope for some little doves in this room today. He's got hope for some people that have tried before and have failed. He's got hope for some doves that have went out of the ark of safety and have found nothing. He's got hope for somebody that's going to make up their minds to get off the flesh and go once again and find a promise. To find the dry land, to find the new land, to find the land that's fresh and free of sin. He says one day they're going to come back and they're going to go again. They're going to seek me again. And as I always have and always will, I am going to be there. But it's going to stick. God said, Youth Camp 2016, Texas is going to go again like he had many times before. He's going to get on fire after you youth camp uh, and he's going to burn till I call him home. Uh, yeah, addiction is going to try to put it out. Uh, his old environment doesn't support uh, what I'm going to give him. Uh, so I'll give him a new environment. Uh, loss and grief uh, may try to extinguish the flame, uh, but I'm going to show him a side of me uh, he has never seen. It's been too long since you've let yourself feel the grace of God. It's been too long since you've let mercy come into your life. I planted a tree for him in that sanctuary on that day in camp 
2016 uh, that was there before he would ever even knew it. Uh, they were having church there years before uh, I ever knew what team camp was. Uh, but God planted a tree uh, at that altar that said when he's ready to go again, uh, he's going to seek uh, and he's going to find. Uh, when he's ready to dig again, uh, when he's ready to leave that boat, uh, when he's ready to leave that tomb, uh, he's going to dig again uh, and he's going to find. Uh, he's going to bring it back. Uh, he's going to find out. Uh, it can't survive the old way he survived. He's got to get something new. You've got to get something new today. God didn't stop with just me. He didn't plant a tree just in my life. He planted a tree in your life, Sister Janet. Amen. Brother Dave, Sister Penny has planted trees in your lives. Pastor, he's planted trees in your life. He's planted trees in our life before we ever knew we would need them to help us. Yes, amen. And God doesn't just plant trees. He lets us become trees. Like that drive through line, we pay it forward. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Yeah. You want to know why I'm still here today? Because God planted a tree in Marion, Kentucky. Amen. He planted a tree that's brought forth fruit. And though time has tested and though time has tried to take, his leaves did not wither. So when a little dove named Texas Young came to Harvest House, there was a leaf that was ready for him. There was a leaf that he could pluck off. There was a tree that he could make a nest in because there was a man who made up his mind to plant himself by rivers of water. And you want to know what the Holy Ghost is? It is rivers of living water. God is calling us to be like trees planted by the rivers of water. Maybe you're called to be a tree today so someone can pluck leaves out of your life. Or maybe you're still that little dove that's searching for a home. Maybe you're still that little dove and you're still timid. You still don't know yet. You still don't know the freedom in God's mercy. You still can't feel the freedom in God's grace. And maybe it scares you and you turn around and you went back to the ark and then maybe you waited some time and decided okay there's something in me I can't get rid of it I've got to go again and you decide to go again and you find a branch this time finally something I can hold finally something some miracle I can get when the Holy Ghost hits you but you're like Oh, I have got separation anxiety. I've got to go back to my to my hole. I've got to go back to my depression. I can't get away from this anxiety. I can't get away from these addiction. I can't get away from these problems. Then you go back to your ark and you wait some more time. But there's something in you that won't shut up. There's a voice in you that won't quit crying. There's a spirit in you that's crying, Father, Father, and you can't stop. Silence it. You can't stop it. It's tormenting you. There's a voice. It's the Spirit of God that's calling you to go again. Amen. Amen. Come on, that's good. And that third time, that third time, there was surely a tree 
that that dove found for a home. Its leaves didn't wither. It's, it, it, it brought forth its fruit. It had roots planted strong. It did not fade. With God, we don't have to worry about failure when we go again. Because failures that once would wither our leaves, God says no more. If you plant by my rivers of living water, you, you are going to bring forth your fruit. Your leaves aren't going to fade. They're not going to wither. I can take you beyond your failures. Yeah. I can take you beyond your pain. I can take you beyond your depression. I can take you beyond your anger. Even though it, it, it's at God, God can take you beyond that anger. Even if that hurt, you feel like it is from God. God can take you beyond that hurt. Because He is looking for a little dove today in this room to say, I've got to go again. If I don't go again, I'm only going to find destruction on this ark. This ark, it was once holding the last of humanity. It was once holding Noah, who found grace in the eyes of God. And it was that little dove who said, i got to go. i got to go. It's beckoning me. I've got to leave. It went and found nothing. It went and found a little bit. It found a leaf. And it brought it back. And it didn't live. And it went one more. Never turned. It happens when we're willing to be challenged. It happens when we're willing to feel sorrow and to feel pain. Because there's a difference in sorrow happening to you. There's a difference in pain happening to you. And there's a difference when you let yourself feel that sorrow and feel that pain. When you're willing to go out one more. It happens when we realize that the ultimate is greater than the immediate. Mm -hmm. And I know... And I'm talking to somebody today. I know that God has ordained this word for us. All of us in this place today. If I could get some music. As I bring this to a close. I'd like to share this poem. That I have read before. From behind this pulpit. God is calling a little dove in this room. To go again. And I know that may be a, a funny little image. And that's okay. Because sometimes. We're just like those little doves. We're just trying to live. We're just trying to get by. We're trying to find our food. We're trying to find our home. We're finding that environment that makes us feel safe. But there is a God who is calling us out of that. And why would he call us from safety if he was not going to provide for us on the way? Why would he call us? Why would that dove go from that ark if it wasn't willing to find something greater than what it had? poem it reads I walked a mile with pleasure she chatted all the way but left me none the wiser for all she had to say I walked a mile with sorrow and never a word said she but oh the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me it's time to go again now we have learned Now we have figured out that we are not invincible, but we serve a God who is invincible and who is calling us to a deeper walk with Him, to a walk with joy, to a walk with happiness, to walk in miracles, to walk in favor, and yes, to walk in sorrow. But He is calling us to go again. 
Not everyone will go. Not everyone in this room today is going to hear this message. Not every little dove is going to leave the ark. Not every person is going to become a tree that someone else can glean from. But there are people in this room today who literally are on the teetering edge of making life-changing decisions. And that goes the other way too. You can make a life-changing decision to fall into God. Or you can make a life-changing decision to fall away from what He's trying to do. I can see you, whoever you are. It's in your mind right now. And you're literally standing on the edge of a cliff. And you're deciding whether or not it's worth it to go again. But it is. It is worth it to, to go again. Maybe the first time you went, it didn't go how you planned. You got hurt. Maybe you felt like you were alone. Maybe you felt like you were the only one trying to do something. But God is saying, go one more time. I'm going to give you something. Go one more time. You're going to find a tree in your mess. Go one more time. You're going to find a leaf that has not withered and has not faded. You may have waited, but the promise has not faded. You may have tarried, but my God is saying, my promise it still stands where it stood. I planted that tree. I'm not removing that tree. That leaf, it will not fade. That miracle, it will not wither. God is looking for a dove to go again. You know who this message is for today? You don't want to know who this message was for? This message was for my mother. You want to know who this message was for? This message was for my sister. Hey, not here anymore. They're in the hands of God. But today, church, let me be honest. You are my mother. You are my sister. Stephanie, you are my mother today. If she was in your spot, I'd be preaching the same way. If I could see her face it up here one more time, I'd be preaching the same message. Because God is calling us to go again. I'd give anything to preach this message to their faces and see them crying at an altar. I'd give anything. But you're here today. And I would love to see your face crying in an altar. I'm preaching today that you can go again. And yes, this is raw for me. But just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean I've got superhuman ability to avoid sorrow. It doesn't mean I've got superhuman ability to avoid depression or avoid anxiety or not be attacked by spirits of suicide. Just because I preach the Word of God doesn't mean I don't fail. It doesn't mean times aren't hard. Because they are. But you know what it means? It means I've got a God who becomes what I need in my moments of sorrow. When I'm in sorrow, He becomes a God who listens. When I'm in pain, He becomes a God who heals. When I'm hurting, He becomes a good God. He becomes a God who feels for me. Somebody needs to go again in this place. Come on, there is something waiting for someone. I, I cannot even put my finger on it. It is so great. There is a ministry in this room right now that is so great. And all it's waiting on is a little dove to go and pluck it off the tree that God has planted. Come on, you may feel like God can't speak to you anymore, but yes, He can. You may feel like you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost because of sin in your life, but you can. You may feel like God doesn't even exist, but He does. 
He is here. He is real. There is waiting for you at this altar today something that I cannot even describe. I'm telling you what right now, this is in the Holy Ghost. There is a healing at this altar for somebody in this place. And all you've got to do in the name of Jesus is stand up and come up here and get down and say, God, I'm going again. I'm going again. Come on, I don't know about you, but if there was healing promised for me, I would go. I don't know about you, but if there was miracles promised for me, I would go. It may feel like I'm pulling for some of you to come to the altar because that's right. I am. That's right. I want to see you praying. That's right. God wants to see you pray. Come pray. Because I know Sunday, I know how it looks. But as I learned on August 2nd, I don't know what Monday looks like. Somebody come pray on this altar. Somebody come go again. I'm not even joking right now. If you were to come to this altar, there would be a healing waiting for you here like you have never felt. I don't know why God would lie to us when He says, I've got more for you. There is an exceedingly and abundantly in this room. There are greater works in this room. So come. Come. Come to this altar. Pray. Find the healing. Find the miracle. Find that God is still real and He still loves you.